Growing your business doesn't have to be difficult. It's all about knowing how to market and how to hit your goals. Hi, I'm Erica Martin, leading marketing expert from a small town in Minnesota. I left my corporate dream job to become an entrepreneur running multiple successful companies. As a marketing consultant, I want to share with you how I've been helping my clients for the past 17 years grow their businesses. I want to help you obtain your goals for your business that will give you your dreams. Let's get those goals. Hey everyone, welcome, and I am so excited to be here with you guys today, teaching you about marketing, how it works, how to build your marketing, and how to grow your business. So today we're going to talk about the psychology of marketing. Pretty exciting. Um, the psychology of marketing is something that has been around for you know a very long time, and we've studied why people buy things for, you know, it's been decades. This isn't like a new term. It isn't a new thing. This has been around for a long time. So today, as we talk about psychology of marketing, we're going to really ask ourselves the question that everyone's been, everyone that owns a business should be asking themselves. Why do people buy certain things versus others? Or what makes people buy things? So little backstory about um, psychology, marketing, and how businesses use the psychology of marketing. So I worked for Target Corporation for um, a little over 10 years. And I was in marketing and I did um, kind of a, I was in a bunch of different roles. I did, you know, from strategy to um, in-store marketing, all that stuff. So kind of a wide range. But with that, um, one thing that Target has, and this is kind of an insider in, you know, insider thing, if you want to call it, but one, one thing that Target has is inside of that cool building that's downtown Minneapolis. If you know what I'm talking about, it's a cool building inside of that is, um, there are mini targets. If you want to call them that's on the lower floors, I was on like almost the top floor, like the 29th out of 32 floors, but um, that's kind of our marketing is how it was 27 through 30. So anyways, within the lower area of target, there's mini targets and what they are is mini stores. Like it's like one section, like it's just baby is in this room and, and they'll set it up and they'll take it down. They'll set up and take it down. And so they can change all the time. It doesn't always have to stay the same, but within that, um, what they use this is they used it for, um, setting up different product lines. If there's a new product line coming up, they'll set up a test run, see how, you know, what it looks like, what the graphics and the marketing will look like. So I kind of, I worked in those rooms a lot, kind of, you know, every, they would set it, we'd walk down, we'd say, do we love this design? Do we not? Is it going to sell product? Is it not? Um, one thing that we did um, multiple times a year is we would set, have the store set for a certain section. Um, for example, when Target brought out, um, they now call it, I think, the dollar spot, but it was called bullseye. Um, it had many different names, but it's like the bullseye spot or the one spot or whatever it is where everything is a dollar right when you walk in. When that concept started, um, what we did is we set up that whole entry. We set up the entry and some fake area behind, but just kind of that entryway. We invited, invited people, um, a focus group to come in 
and shop that area. Part of what we were doing when we brought in this focus group, we wanted to watch them interact with the product, with the marketing, you know, kind of just see, is this going to work? Is this not? And then get their feedback. So we would sit um, behind like a glass wall. It was super cool. We'd sit behind a glass wall and we'd watch these people shop. Um, Everybody kind of had a different area or different role that they were looking at, um, a different element, I want to say, that they were looking at while we were, they were shopping. Um, And, you know, like, for example, I would watch, you know, did they pick up the product? How long did they hold it? Did they put it back down? Um, Was the signing above them, you know, very clear and concise? Because when it all started, when this whole dollar spot, it was part of one of my products that I worked on, when it all started, the, the gondolas, also known as the shelving, the gondolas were really like standard height. So they were like eight and a half, nine feet tall. Well, it was too, it blocked all of the other areas. So they wanted to bring them down to like 64 inches. So, uh, and that is something we learned in these focus groups. And then they rolled, you know, all of this out to the store after they had all these great groups, but we watched the psychology behind why they bought what they bought um, and how the marketing performed. And it was very interesting. And we had, they had psychologists like um, business product psychologists come in and kind of talk to us about why people buy, why they don't, all of that great stuff. So it was a very, very cool um, element of my job that I got to do is watching these people, you know, why do they buy? Why do they buy certain things? Um, that has, you know, changed a lot because of um, social media, online marketing, all of that. But it still is true. It's the, the foundation of marketing, which I keep talking about. The foundation of marketing has not changed. It has not changed in 50 to 60 years. It's still there it's still tried and true. And if we understand that completely, we are going to be better off as business owners and marketers. So um, with that example of the bullseye, we, they did that, you know, for when they brought in, for example, Giada had a whole line. She might still, I don't know if she does, um, has a whole line at Target. Um, I worked on that project as well, bringing sight lines down and making sure, you know, signing was working and marketing was working for um, the purpose of understanding like how these people are shopping and making sure they could clearly find what they're looking for. Um, the next phase after we looked at all of this inside these mini targets downtown is um, we would then set it in the downtown Minneapolis store. That store is very heavily, um, there's a heavy, heavy, heavy amount of video cameras and people that are just walking around watching you shop. So just so you know, when you go, I mean, there are a lot of stores that do that too, but the video and I mean, it's, it's in the shelving, it's everywhere. Cause they can see, they want to see, you know, it's kind of their flagship store in a, in a way where they can kind of watch how, how things are performing. If there's any tests, they're usually done there or they're done at, you know, local Minneapolis stores. Um, I was in a store in Otsego, Minnesota, where we just moved from and, um, we moved to Northern Minnesota, but when I was in that store, not, you know, before COVID, I noticed that there was test signing that I hung there years ago, probably like five years ago, six years ago for the pharmacy it was still hanging there. And I'm like, no one took this down. I mean, it's, it says pharmacy, it's doing what it's supposed to do, but it was a test and we just never took it down. So it's kind of cool. Um, so that is kind of my backstory with psychology and where I originally learned I mean, I learned this in college, but originally like saw it out in a, in, in the field using it was working for Target. So a big question to ask is 
how do I create something that my audience will respond to? So um, let's just talk about kind of how this all works. So we have a subconscious, right? Our subconscious, I can't say that word right today. (laughs) Our subconscious is in the back of our mind. And that is kind of telling us, it likes to tell us right from wrong. It likes to hold things um, from our past. It likes, you know, it's kind of, it's going when we don't even really are telling it to, to do things. So the subconscious, it triggers things. And when you are, when you're writing your code in your brain, all of that starts up to the age of 10. So you're born, you're learning, you're learning, you're learning. And at the age of 10 is kind of when it kind of plateaus and you, you're learning all the time, but that's kind of where the, the code in your brain is being written and storing things that are all new. Because, you know, as a baby, you're learning to eat, you're learning to walk, you're doing these major milestones that once you get to about 10, you're probably not going to do that big of jumps from there on out, right? So things that happened back then will trigger us today as adults. And that's kind of when it comes to, um, here's an example, I guess. Um, A baby will mimic something because the brain is telling them that this person of authority has taught them that this is okay. They will mimic. So if you do like, you know, if you clap with the baby, they'll clap back. Um, That's your subconscious telling you that's okay. This person of authority said it's okay to clap. I'm going to do it too. Um, So that subconscious is kind of, you know, always working. And so when we, when we do things um, in social media and marketing and all that great stuff, online marketing, and we do things like mimicking, like what I just explained about a baby, we can do things where we show people exactly like, here is my product. Here's exactly how to use it. Here's exactly how to buy it. And they want to do that because they've been told all of their lives that this is okay when to mimic. Mimicking is an okay thing to do. Um, so those are just kind of some examples of the subconscious and working. So um, when we you know, talk to our audience and respond um, to them about you know, kind of trying to use this, use this. We want to use um, psychology as like a compelling thing. We want to use compelling images. We want to use photography that people can relate to. I mean, if you're talking to a group of, let's say, um, elderly adults, you're not going to use photography of 20 year olds, right? You're going to use photography that they're going to relate to and their subconscious is going to trigger and say, okay, I relate to that. Or if you're talking about like, let's say you're dealing with a demographic, I cannot talk today, people, a demographic um, of, you know, someone in their eighties playing games as a child. You're not going to use someone, you know, a, a image of them playing with a game and it was like taken in the 1990s. You're going to want to make sure you're in, in their era using what they experienced as a child. So it it's just, you got to be pay attention to your photography. Um, Taglines to connect with too is a big thing that um, your audience will respond to. Make sure you're speaking in their voice, their language that they understand. And, um, and also just setting that mood in storytelling. Storytelling, make sure you're talking to them in the proper way. And this is kind of why we built a customer avatar as well is because you want to fully understand your customer in order to market to them. Because if you're talking to, um, let's say you're selling something like insurance to the, you know, elderly care or something, um, you don't want to talk to them like you're talking to a 19 year old because they're not going to resonate with that. They're not going to understand it. So we want to make sure that we're very clear when we're in our messaging. 
Um, so why do people react to certain marketing? Um, it hits part of our brain that we can relate to. So we need to know this so we can build, um, build, you know, off of that. So we need to really make sure that we're paying attention to that. People buy a product or service that's going to make them feel better. It's going to make them feel that, um, it's going to make their life easier. It's a feel good, feel safe type of purchase. That's usually what we see when we're talking about buying. Um, unless it's like, you know, like a need, like something you have to have, um, if it's something outside of that need circle, they want it to feel good. A feel good product, a feel good service, a feel safe. Because that's what, again, that subconscious has told us that, you know, here's what we needed when we were younger to feel safe. And we're going to relate back to that. So um, how this all works. So when when people are buying a product, like especially when, especially when we're kind of talking like the bullseye example um, at Target, a lot of that stuff in that section is not um, a need. It's usually a want because it's like little tumblers that are $5 or little topiaries and all this great stuff, um, that are just more of a want. So a want makes us feel good. We want it. We want to make it, we want to use that topiary to make our space look pretty. Um, so that's more of that want versus that need. So that's where the feel good marketing comes in because we want them to feel good that they're buying this product. And what happens when we feel good is a chemical in our brain called dopamine is released. That dopamine is our feel good chemical. It's the one that releases that makes us feel, oh, this is a good feeling like Christmas morning, opening your presents. Um, you know, that's that feel good chemical and people want that. They need that. They, they, that's a feeling of safety. It's a feeling of happy. Um, and that's what we're looking for as marketers is we want them to have that experience with our marketing and with our products. So um, to do this also, we have to have a solution to people's problems and people, when they feel like they have a solution, they again, feel good. They feel happy. Dopamine is released. And then it's a happy customer. It's kind of how it works. Um, so we need to show them, you know, a lot of, here's an example. We need to show them kind of how things work and how, if you use my product, here's what's going to happen. If then that's where our marketing, using that marketing to tell that story is, you know, what we are striving for as business owners and marketers. So a good example is an allergy commercial. So if you show someone and, you know, it depends on if you're talking allergies for kids, allergies for adults, what it is. If you show that picture, depending who your target market is, of someone suffering from allergies, they're blowing their nose, their eyes are running, they're itchy, all of these things. And then you show them a bottle of your product, your pills, whatever it may be, your liquid, whatever it may be. You show them you're miserable. Here's my pills. And then afterwards you show them running in a hay field with their animal, whatever it may be. You show that they, they use the product. And then now I feel, I feel great about it. I feel great after using it. Um, that's showing them that's almost mimicking. Here's what we want you to do in order to feel great. Um, people want to have that story told to them very clearly. So let's talk a little bit about some tips that work when it comes to psychology of marketing. Um, before and afters work really well when it comes to marketing and that feel good moment. Um, because when you show a before, let's say you're, I mean, there's a hundred thousand explanations with the, with this, but you know, before again, back to the, um, even like cold and flu medicine. Okay. Here's a sick person. Here's my product. 
Here's the after. I want to feel like that. I want to feel like the after because I feel really icky right now. So if you show that before and after, or even if you show, let's say you're like a kitchen remodeler and you're showing before and after of what your project looked like. Here it was before it looked horrible and I was going able to go in and remodel and here's the after. That works. People can see the vision. They can understand what the outcome is going to be. It's very clear to them. Um, and it gives them gives them that feel good, feel safe dopamine release that they're looking for. And people want dopamine. I mean, they want to that feel good. That's, you know, it's kind of addictive. Um, also, you know, recalling good memories and a lot of, you know, you'll see like a lot of, I call them Hallmark commercials, but um, Hallmark videos, whatever it may be. A lot of those um, have that recalling a good memory, you know, that first you know, little kid riding a bike without training wheels, that feel good moment. And a lot of us can relate to that no matter what generation we're in, um, because we've all had that moment in our life more than likely. Um, so we really, um, those feel good memories is kind of something that we could work off of too. Um, building off of caring and compassion. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, let's say having a product or service that's towards elderly care, um, you want to show that caring and compassion. You want to show you interacting with um, the elder, elderly person, or let's say it's um, daycare or something like that. You want to show you interacting because people will then understand it much better than you just describing that. So those feel good moments. Um, and then also keep reminding them of a good experience. What was a good experience they had as a child, as an adult, and remind them of that and how your product or service can help them have those memories and keep creating those memories. Um, photos work the best when it comes to this kind of marketing and using psychology because people can relate to pictures much better than they can, re than they can relate to words. So um, pictures are a really good example. Um, another thing is social proof. People do, when they see social proof of things that have worked for other people, people want what others have in a lot of cases. So they will look and look for that social proof like, oh, you know, 10,000 people use this product. Yeah, I'm going to get on the bandwagon and use it as well. So people naturally want what other people have. So social proof works really, really well. Um, and you're also looking to engage them too and really get them to react to what you're, you're um, marketing. So let's really let's quickly talk about the six persuasions of marketing and how that kind of works. Um, so to persuade someone to purchase some things, this is kind of where the top six things come into play. So the first one is the rule of reciprocity. So give something for free and they will in return feel like they should be giving you something back. So the rule of reciprocity, um, giving and then getting something back. So I don't know if you've ever borrowed anything from a neighbor. I have sugar, eggs, whatever, maybe. Um, I feel like I borrow two eggs and I next time I go to the store, I'm going to buy them and return those eggs. I'm probably going to give them a whole carton because I feel like they deserve that um, because I had to take their time and borrow those eggs. But if you, if there's any way you can um, like repay them, that is a feel good moment. That makes you feel good. It releases that dopamine. People love that. Um, the rule of commitment. So consistency, people look for people, people look for marketers and businesses who are consistent, who show up consistent, who have a consistent message. This is something that is very, um, I've talked a lot about this, just being consistent. And I know sometimes it's hard, it's hard to do, but 
they want um, things, they like things over and over and over. And so they want people will buy when they trust you and they feel like that commitment um, and consistency is one way to build that trust. Um, social proof, which we just spoke about, um, people will buy um, things when they know that other people have tried it and that it works. So monkey see, monkey do is kind of another term that we use for social proof. Um, the number four is the rule of authority. Um, so when you, and I say this a lot to my clients, when you are, um, you have to become the authority in your space. So you have to make sure people understand that you know what you're doing with your product or service. So become the authority. Um, how people view your business and how you show up too is another really, um, is a really good way when you talk about authority because people want you know, they want someone to come on and look professional and put together if, if that's the service that, or product that you're selling. So make sure you show up with a rule of authority and that you are put together depending on what product or service, you know, you're, you're selling and that you're confident and you're credible when you're doing this as well. Um, the rule of liking. So the rule of liking is um, people, people tend to kind of congregate when with other people that are similar to them. Because if you, let's say, you know, if you've ever moved into a new neighborhood and there's like 10 neighbors around you and you kind of end up hanging out with a few of them, but maybe not all of them because not all of them are like you, but people that you have a like um, mindsets with that you end up, you know, building relationships with. So people want that from buying a product too. If they feel like they can connect with you or your product or your service and, you know, the rule of, with the rule of liking, they're going to, be more willing to buy from you. And the rule of scarcity is number six. The rule of scarcity is something that a lot of people use. And it's, you know, hurry now, buy one, get one limited stock, um, target Walmart. They all use it all the time. Um, there's only, you know, that whole, there's five seats open and that kind of thing. When people think it's going to run out, they're going to buy quick. Cause they're like, Oh, everybody else has bought it. I need to get on that bandwagon too. So limited time, low supply, that kind of a thing. So those are, those are the, um, the six rules of <laughs> when it comes to marketing, um, of persuading people and how to do this and how to use this psychology to persuade people. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will see you again soon.